Good evening and welcome back to another edition, a, a Giving Day edition. And this will be coming out, we hope, on Giving Day. Uh, 2 Yes, yes, yes. It will uh, not. We, we had our Giving Day show last week. Big thanks again to Trip Hughes of the Alumni Association for coming on with us. Um, but this will be coming out on Giving Day. So we'll, I'm sure there'll be a lot of interested JMU folks on. The, all the platforms tomorrow so wanted to have some good content this week and we're really happy to say that we um, have our first in a series kind of get to know the Sunbelt series tonight um, we're going to have a really cool interview with Dusty Thibodeau of who is a UL Monroe Louisiana Monroe alum uh, he founded the Warhawk report a long time ago back when we were maybe even before we were starting Jamie Sports Blog, but a long time ago. But then, um, and he sold it. He actually cashed out. Yeah, so it's, got rid of it. Yeah, like yeah. It, yeah, really turned into the ULM rival site. Yeah, um, and then started the Fun Belt podcast, and that is a really cool. We we've listened to a couple, and it's a fun thing to listen to. Um, you know, kind of Western teams, but they come from like three of the teams we know nothing about, mostly. Well, it's one Eastern too. Oh yeah, Georgia State's in there. Georgia too, State yeah. and Arkansas State. So it's, it's kind State, of just a yeah. cool, cool, easy yeah. way to get to know the conference. And I love the idea of moving to a conference where people kind of root really hard against each other, but also take a kind of more collaborative, like we're all in this together approach. That That is a refreshing change from where we are coming from. <laughs> yes, we're going to get to that a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, but big thanks to Dusty. And we had a really good time talking to him. Uh, you know, neither one of us knew like almost anything about Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. I don't think, right? So this was really fun uh, to talk about from a Washington professional. I didn't know Stan Humphreys <laughs> went to ULM. I did so, not either. I thought yeah, that was interesting. No, that was interesting. Um. So that was really fun, and, it, and hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back in a couple weeks with a few more things. Um, life is probably going to force us to take a week off next week, but that's okay. Uh, but before we even get to the interview tonight, we wanted to kind of go around. Well, Todd, actually, I, I just yeah. thought of something like, and I know we had mm-hmm. our, you know, longer than average, probably forty second planning call before this. Oh yeah, um, but can we talk a little Olympics since that? Oh yeah, yeah, we'll minute? do like, that too. Yeah. Yeah, I just I'd love to get into that. Like, we're just gonna knock that out of the way right now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, like you and I, I think are probably the target demographic for the Olympics. Fair to say, we are. We're old enough to, yeah, yeah, old enough to really care about like Sarajevo and back in the day when it was young enough to care about like keeping up, yeah, X Games, (laughs) and also like I think we're a little more online than your typical mm-hmm. middle-aged people. Right. Um, we we also have a bit of an affinity for the, I don't want to say fringe sports, but like, I mean, heck, yes. we, we did an FCS podcast for years. Like, we <laughs> don't need to have it be the top of the thing. But this was a big miss for me. Like, I, I've never been less interested in the Olympics. You're not less interested. Mm-hmm. I've never paid less attention. And this might sound like a cop-out, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. But like, I, I put a lot of it on me. I, I didn't maybe approach it with the same enthusiasm. But when I did, the coverage was terrible. You mm-hmm. couldn't figure out where anything was. Mm-hmm. You'd like you've got the normal spoiler program of the time change. Mm-hmm. But then when you tune in, like even when it was spoiled, you tune into primetime thinking you were going to get a dedicated hour or so of the marquee event that had already been spoiled, and you'd get the two American riders or something like it. Just yes. other than the snowboarding, which I thought mm-hmm. was particularly well done and was I think was kind of live the way it worked out. It was happened in the morning, both yeah. the men's and women's. I thought this was a disaster. 
across the board. Am I, I know, I know the ratings have showed that many people agreed with me, but what did you think? Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's weird because I've been like hesitant to go too far on it because I do think there are um, there's various, extenuating circumstances. There are ideologies yeah. around our country right now that are pushing an anti-Olympics, yeah, you know, take. And part of that was that it took place in China this year, and there's a whole lot of you know, there's all kinds of you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of problems off the field, sort of. And that's um, that's valid, but you but, could do that no, to any sport you. you watch. You, you need can. to rationalize a lot of way. If you just filter everything away and focus on the athletes, okay, right. that's that's kind of the ideal sport mm-hmm. or, or thing to do. And let's be honest, I do the same thing in baseball nowadays with the owners. Yeah. I do the same thing in football. Yeah, um, these are larger stakes. I'm not trying to say like what the. Uh, no, I know. think you're right though. I mean, a the coverage was bad. B yeah. the it's weird, right? I watched a little bit of Daytona yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, it was fun. Yeah. Right. It, 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 we're starting to see things that are like, you know, the, the NFL playoffs were largely fun. The NBA right? All-Star game was the pretty NBA fun All-Star last game night. was fun, right? And, and we're starting to see like, at least here in the States, we're seeing a largely like sort of back to, I, I don't know what it's not. I don't know. Maybe it's a post-pandemic world. I don't know what to call a, it, right? A new and, normal perhaps? Yeah. Like, we're not talking about like the state of the pandemic here, but just that there are fans and that looks really fun. And it was nice weather in Florida and the race was on and it was great. Right. Like, um, and, and this was hard. It was like, Oh, we're doing another COVID Olympics. And like, uh, yeah, part of that was bad, but I'm with you. The coverage is what drove me nuts. Saturday night. I stayed up. They also focused, they bet the whole thing on like, you know, figure skating and Michaela. And don't get me wrong. I, I love Michaela cause I love the skiing, but like, then it becomes you're missing out. Like now you've bet everything on these like superstars. And if, if that doesn't work out the way you hoped, you've got nothing, you've got nothing left. And I wanted to stay up. I said, I, I was here. I am fringe sport. I was so excited to watch Jesse Diggins on Saturday night. She's one of the last events yeah. of the Olympics. And she did it right. Like mm-hmm. she was already a star. She won a gold medal in the last Olympics had won the bronze at the start of this games. There was no reason to think like, they couldn't have promoted this more and shown this race. And she ends up winning the silver medal at two o'clock, but they didn't show it until like two o'clock in the morning on Saturday, like on delay. Yeah. You know, when they'd already like quit on the, yeah, I'm with you. I really was frustrated by it. And you know what, you know what that reminded me of the decision to go with the marquee sport, even though it was wrought with controversy in figure skating. Yeah. seems to me like around here in the DC area, you get, what is it now? Commanders. I'm going to need to trade myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year round, they just talk commanders, and every yes. once in a while, a caller will call into the sports talk radio and say, "Why you always talk this? Why don't you talk about the Capitals or the Nationals or the Wizards?" Right. And people go, "Oh, well, that's not what people want. Whenever we talk that, nobody listens, and we talk commanders. It's because they mail it in. Yes. They don't. There's not a sports talk radio show around here that knows anything about baseball. So if no. you hear them like talking about pitcher wins, yeah, you're going to yeah. turn the channel versus when they're, they've got players and coaches and GMs talking about, you know, the, the commanders. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like give it a shot. Like historically, yeah. Figure skating has been the big draw. I right. understand that. And this year you, you've gone for this star based approach and none of it has worked out through none no. of NBC's fault. Try to create another story. You know, yeah. that's exciting. Just, they're, they're, I don't know. It's, well, it, and the channel thing, the, the not knowing when things are on, Rob, it, not that finding drove them. me nuts. Because like four years ago or six years ago, a lot of things were starting to shift to like online mm-hmm. productions, right? 
but there was no, they weren't trying to get you to buy Peacock. They were just like, oh, this is over on the NBC Olympics app. Because we're going to cover everything. If you want to watch like the biathlon team Mm -hmm. event that nobody else, like we're not putting that on NBC for three hours. Mm -hmm. So, and I understand that. But if you want to watch it, here's the easy way to watch it. Or like, you know, when like March Madness, like when they're like, okay, this is on true TV. And maybe that's annoying for a super casual fan. But for you and I, I'm going to find that channel and watch the game. Or someone tell like this summer, I thought they did it. Like I was very into the swimming, but there were also, and I'd watch that on the like live on the the main channels. But there were also times where I sought out the mountain biking and I could watch it live. That's what I was like looking forward to a couple of things. I had the menu. So I I have heard things that NBC knew because of all the reasons you stated politically. And those are valid. We don't mean to discount them or or just the time difference that they knew this was going to be a loss and they were just trying to minimize the damage and kind of play for the next round. But man, yeah. I still feel like it, it stunk. Like if you wanted to watch a stuff live, it was incredibly difficult this year. Yeah. Um, it was just a bummer. Well, yeah. and it's frustrating because they have like these, like, so the Rebecca Lowe was doing the overnight. Lindsay Zarniak was doing the daytime mm-hmm. where they're largely getting like the replays. Yeah. But they can kind of like talk openly about what's going on. Mm-hmm. It was almost better to occasionally watch like the, the tape delayed show that was occurring during the day on USA than mm-hmm. to watch the primetime NBC coverage. Well, they, yeah, they and, had great talent with, with and Mike remember, Tirico. Like, Olympics, they used to have like CNBC would have like the, the all the curling. Yeah. So if you really are interested in that, you could go over to some obscure channel and watch, you know, like, yeah, I, oh, I know they had plenty of talent doing this. It's very frustrating. I'm hopeful. I mean, the one thing for me, who I know a lot of people don't like the Winter Olympics as much, but, um, you know, the next Winter Olympics are in Milan. Yeah. Uh, and Cortina. Is the Alpine events so like so one of the like yeah, yeah so like, historical places and six hour time different like we can all figure this out in our head like you, you know. can figure it out you can come home early for an event you want to watch or you can conceivably you know do the cone of silence yes. for three hours after mm-hmm. work and watch it in yep. prime time so yeah I don't right, know, well, but I'm with ahead. you you were not alone in this and I I got a little fired up on Saturday about it and it, sorry for <laughs> clogging our timeline with that but uh, yeah no you were not alone in this Rob okay. So anyway, moving yeah. on, moving on. Yes. To, well, now rant to, about something else. Yeah. To Duke's um, events. Oh, 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 one thing I didn't even. Yeah. So where do you want to start, Rob? We'll let you start ranting. Uh, yeah. Well, you, want to just, start, you want to start us off with men's hoops? Can I rant about ranting for that? Like, yes. it, I realize saying this is somebody who's just an old man, you know, shaking well, fist me, at clouds about the Olympics. Ex- explain what happened here. Yeah. A very ugly basketball game was played between a team that in JMU that mm-hmm. is down several stars um, has nothing to play for because they are not in a conference tournament mm-hmm. going back to their coaches, alma mater to play a first place team and try to play spoiler for spoiler sake. Mm-hmm. And they were doing a good job of it. And then there was a, a scuffle a fracas. Like what, what do you want to call it in the end? Like that it looked was a like, very some, like high school basketball kind of, a yeah, thing, right? it, it looked like, like something like, you'd see things happen. You watch enough basketball you see something like this every week. And there was, if, if you're a JMU fan, you say, oh, that guy, you know, threw a ball in so-and-so's face. If you're a UNCW fan, you say, oh, but then the guy came in and cheap shot out of nowhere, you know, right, right jaw. If you're a logical human being, you'd say one guy got frustrated, lightly tossed a ball out of frustration towards JMU. Yeah. And then a, his teammate came and did not punch anybody, but came with a you know, shove open-handed and hit somebody at UNC and they fell backwards. It was a lot of drama all around. Um, yes. 
it, this would have been one of those things where you tee up a couple people, maybe you throw somebody out and you move the heck on because mm-hmm. it is the CAA. And there were what, as Brian Mull pointed out, like 168 NCAA division one basketball games on Saturday. Yeah. It, as you get lower in the tiers of leagues, you get lower in the quality of officiating. Right. This was a particularly bad crew of officials in a league that is known for getting particularly bad crew officials. And they couldn't figure this out. So they took 15 minutes to go over reviews and monitors. And it was just, we're getting live texts from somebody in the arena being like, what the heck's going on? Um, it was a disaster. So the long, longer, oh, I forgot the best part. Yeah. Two UNC fans rushed the court. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. forgot oh, about that. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and literally like come into the scuffle and break that up. Like, So the best thing to do is just like tee a bunch of people up, throw everybody out and start the game quickly. They took... Uh, this might be slight exaggeration, but maybe a 15 minute break to figure this out. They did not figure anything out. <laughs> you know, they just, they ejected Amadi, teed some guys up. Jamie gets no free throws. UNC gets free throws. Uh, disaster. UNCW completes uh, on their, like a good comeback against a already thin JMU team. Then without Amadi yeah. uh, goes to overtime. They win on questionable yeah. slash phantom call with like one second left blah 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 yeah. it was just it was it was more about the complete ineptitude of the CAA and its inability yeah. to handle any curveball that comes its way yeah than it was about JMU or UNCW there are still people arguing about this online JMU fans and UNCW fans they are not distinguishing themselves as high-minded individuals. Well, Rob, we had a, I mean, obviously you know, that was not the only fracas in college basketball correct, this weekend. Correct. And um, this, in the year of our Lord, 2022, a grown assistant coach from Wisconsin on national television gave a D-Generation X suck it shot. Yeah. Right? Like, like nobody was covering themselves in glory in the NCAA basketball ranks this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yes, the you what you what you're I think is like we got to let this go a little bit. Oh, know? it's just it's just pathetic. Like yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like nobody did anything to really embarrass. They're all it's the type of thing like every coach is going to choose some guys out in the heat of the moment over something like that, and then they're probably going to have some one on one talk Sunday or Monday to be like, hey, we got to cut that crap out. You're too good a ball player, or that's not who you are as a man, and blah 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 blah. Right. And they should, but like. This isn't anything that's going to hang over. This isn't, you know, Kermit Washington hit, punching Rudy Tomjanovich. Like, this no. is just one of those things. Like, if you played sports, chances are you had one of these incidents either with an opponent or a teammate. Mm-hmm. And you move on. It's not yep. that big of a deal. There, there was no blood. There was not. This wasn't Kareem turnaround, like roundhousing anybody. It wasn't Bill Lambeer. It was a scuffle. It was pushing and shoving. Better refs would have nipped it in the bud and nobody would be talking about it. But people right. are just arguing. We got some freaking sidelines dude who like is tweeting us all day. I was like, oh, I'm mad about this. And I was like, yeah, you've done a great job of, of uh, staying above the fray based on your timeline. Because he apparently has spent all day arguing with, with JMU fans. Oh. And I was like, let it go, man. Like it, life's too short. If you want to spend your, your President's Day arguing people in it you, and it makes you happy – Mm-hmm. Then you do you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But otherwise, like, you're not going to last word anybody on the internet. That's not how it works. Right. And if you're going to be surprised, if you're a JMU fan and you are surprised that a UNCW fan is going to look at that incident and view it differently than you do, mm-hmm. I got nothing for you. 
and yeah. vice versa. If you're in CW, like, yeah, to me, I'm going to look at it and be like, yeah, I, I don't really love that dude throwing the ball at us. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of shoved him. If I'm UNCW, you darn well better believe I go, oh, all that guy did was, you know, toss the ball and walk away. And then he got blindsided. Like, it's mm-hmm. the, nobody got hurt. No, right. there, there were no ice packs. There were no, like, I'm not advocating violence, but let's be honest here. This is, Todd, I mean, yeah. you and I have, yeah. playing basketball have probably gotten an instance like this that we can't recall in pickup yes. because this is just what happens. Well, and I have to wonder, I mean, I, I'm joking about the Michigan-Wisconsin thing when. It's a coach at a different about, It's a different line. thing, yeah. right? A head coach took a swing at another coach. To, to That's face wash some guy. And yeah. you can kind of like. You know, I'm not going to get into. There's a lot of people making hay of this for inappropriate reasons, but that's like a different thing, right? <laughs> like, like this is just the players being. You know, it, it's a basketball scuffle. I don't, I don't know what to say. There's a lot of people in these events who want to like look like they want to get involved, but they don't really want to get involved. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I, that, I, mean, the I was only, one that, of those bench people. Like, you know, like, the refs were terrible. Yeah, and people running on the court. And nobody mm-hmm. being able to even contextualize what that meant is just comical. Like that's the most <laughs> CAA thing of all time. Uh, of course it is. Oh, it's like it, we can't. The CAA can't even get like a real malice at the palace. Mm-hmm. They get this JV version, and they can't even uh, you know uh, deal with it properly. Yep. So. Oh, incredible. Oh well, that covers men's basketball. Um, this season has really, you know, I, I just hope that they can keep it together and keep their spirits up in that locker room, Rob. You know, we got a couple weeks left. Uh, I thought that, I know. mean, on, on a happier note, I yeah, thought the women's Charleston was fantastic. Oh, sure. Yeah. They showed and, a lot of character. Like they, uh-huh. they had no business. In, and Charleston's, you know, kind of a middle pack team too, but playing that's, that's a team that I actually, I admit, and UNCW too. Yeah. Um, those are two teams that I, I, Actually, remember fondly in terms yes. of basketball. I think that. those are really good mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. I think they're also part of the reason why Jamie needs to leave the CA because you've got that all sports football versus basketball schism, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I think those are two really good programs and two really tough places to play because mm-hmm. they've got fans that care. And that win the other night was great. Like Jamie mm-hmm. was really kind of outmanned for the reasons I stated with them mm-hmm. being down several players. That to me is really encouraging, and you don't see a lot of quit in this team. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, a, a bit of a dis- not a bit. This is a major disappointment for many reasons this year. You know, clearly the number one being that they can't compete for the CA tournament, yeah. but also how they, you know, had the win against UVA and came into the conference play with a lot of momentum and well, and Old Dominion and Mason, like they, it was really a fun, yeah. exciting start, and just you know, and then the air just blew. came out of the balloon. Yeah, um, um, but I'm not losing faith in in Byington as a coach or the direction of this program. I think it's no, just, I'm not at all. I just hope they can kind of keep, you know, keep, keep it, it together, together this year. And, you just got to yeah. like last year was weird. It was weird in a way that worked out for them. This mm-hmm. year is weird in a way that has not worked out for them next year. They go into the Sun Belt that overall is kind of doing a reset as a basketball mm-hmm. conference mm-hmm. with JMU, ODU and Marshall going in. And I think oh, it's, I mean, it's wide open for JMU yeah, next year. Completely. Like they have, I mean, there's no reason to think they won't be a top four you know, contender. Like, yeah. if they could keep... But to be fair, know. though, there was no reason to think they wouldn't be a top four contender in the CAA either. So like, no, there wasn't, no. Basketball um, happens. But, like, there, this is not the JMU from three years ago where it's like, oh, my gosh, put them mm-hmm. in any league and they're going to be in the bottom. I think you, if you told me JMU was going to win the Sun Belt next year, I'd say, yeah, okay, that's possible. 
They've got mm-hmm. a good core coming back. They've got a really good recruit coming from DeMatha, a big guy, can defend the rim. Okay. Uh, he's like 6'9", mm-hmm. 6'10", nice. um, which is what they need. They just need mm-hmm. height and length and not somebody who necessarily needs to score. they got plenty of guys who can do that. But they need somebody who can kind of be the inside version of what Strickland is, you know, just mm-hmm. be a pest on the outside and, and do the Rick Lisa. I'm still high on this team. Disappointed, yes. but I'm high on this team. And I, I think – the, the Sun Belt is a very winnable conference, but I think with Jam with JMU and ODU and Marshall to another mm-hmm. degree, like you've got people kind of you've got programs looking to come in and raise the bar as a basketball league. And we've seen the past couple of years, App State appears to have more interest in act- focusing on things other than football mm-hmm. um, than they did a couple of years ago. So I'm, yeah. I'm still very high on this program and and the Sun Belt move as it relates to basketball specifically. Good. Good too. Yeah. Good. I know. And well, glad we got through that. And I just, I feel bad for them because this is the, this is the worst part of the CAA stuff. No. And I don't know how you do it. Like the men and women, like fans have been very critical about the results, but I don't know how you deal with that emotionally as a student athlete or, or, or mentally. I don't know what the right word, whether it's mentally or emotionally or both, Mm -hmm. but you look at like what just happened to that poor back to the Olympics, that 15 year old skater, like sometimes the, the athletes are the pawns in all this. Mm-hmm. And this is not to the degree of the, you know, adults doping anybody, but to me, it's, I'm going to draw a line there. I think it's the same sort of thing. This is, these are the athletes being caught in the decisions of adults mm-hmm. and all these people on JMU men's and women's and basketball and lacrosse and softball and everything. They went to school thinking, I'm going to go to a program that's going to compete for four years for a conference championship first and foremost. And then beyond that, I'd love to go to my respective tournament mm-hmm. and to have that taken away from you, yeah. but then be told, Oh, but you still need to go play all the same teams who yeah. they're still going to get the right to go. Like, I don't know how you deal with that. And I, I will fully raise my hand and say, yes, I am a coach. apologist. I think you will too. Yeah. He is our guy. We like him. We think he's a good man. We think he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I respect the hell out of the job he's doing in this year. And I know a lot of yeah. fans will, will completely disagree with me, but like just to keep these people from imploding or completely mailing it in mm-hmm. um, and to pull out, you know, the big occasional ones that they do. And like they're dealing with injuries just like the men's team yep. is. I don't know how you do it. I, I And lacrosse is off to a tough start we see, but like this is a really difficult time for coaches because they're, they're the same way. Like when you're coaching at a mm-hmm. – Shelly has proved, Laporte has proved, you can do great things at JMU. But most times you got to win your conference first. And to have that taken away just mm-hmm. pulls the rug out from you. So it's yeah. – I don't know. It's just oh, a yeah. tough situation all around. Well, we'll go to lacrosse next because they did get on the – they did get in the win column. Yes, they did. Um, they beat Recovered. UConn, another ranked team. So, you know, look, they lost the game to Tech. They lost to UNC. I don't – you know, I, I'm – you know, true serum. They probably penciled themselves in for a two-and-one instead of a one-and-two. One-and-two. But yeah. it's not like the end of the world yet. Um, they come home for high point this weekend so there's there's opportunities for this team i'm not overly concerned i don't i'm not sure they've even like fallen out of the rankings yet no i don't um, you know i think, no I think they're to. gonna be fine and one thing they're getting is they have a superstar in isabel peterson mm-hmm. you know i mean we talked to coach in the preseason about it but to actually see her just <laughs> 10 goals in two games this week you know like they can really um you know it's going to be fun to see them build this out i hope uh so I was going to do uh, congratulations. The other coach, Shelly, uh, 
who I know you talked to, Rob, because Shelly mm-hmm. Gadon from women's tennis got her 100th victory this weekend. So congrats to her and that program. Which low, has key been... might, low key in the running for best coach at JMU, if you're yes, paying attention yes, to the record. Yes, I was going to say, real, real, um, pretend, you know, yes, like quietly, incredible job, turn it, you know, getting that program to where it is right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That was really fun. A couple pro Dukes notes, Rob. I did get to watch a little bit of Kirby the other night in Athletes Unlimited. I did too. And she's been playing really well. I watched uh, when she's playing. I on think the... she should play more. Yeah. And, like, um, it's a hard thing to follow because they switch teams all the time and stuff. I watched but I did when see she was the on... announcers were getting pretty excited about her. They're mm-hmm. like, man, she's really been good. I mean, she is a knockdown shooter. She uh, is. You know, and just, and a smart player. Like, yeah. That little float game that she has now is so good. Like, it's just fun to watch uh, her play so well. And hopefully this might, you know, I've just it's been fun to watch her be active on social media because I think all those players are while they're here in the States and stuff playing. Um, but I, I would kind of hope that maybe someone like her, she'd be the perfect candidate to kind of get another look domestically, right? I mean, it she's be been nice. playing, you know, playing for – She's been playing quality level basketball for a long time overseas. She has, but it's kind of a nomadic existence. It is. Which is tough. But she's also like one of those players with a really unique like skill set. Like she is a true professional at this Mm -hmm. point. You know, she doesn't make a lot of mistakes and she knocks down shots. Like I I can't imagine, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if some of these players, you know, there's a there's a small group of them in her position that are getting a chance to kind of play against WNBA talent in this athletes unlimited format and it'll be interesting to see if any of them get a chance uh but that was fun to watch and then the other thing is i did see that um i have no idea how this is going to be but i did see that the usfl draft is tomorrow night and i believe that vadley and richard davis are both in the eligible pool i mean that doesn't mean they'll be drafted but like is it richard davis or richard robinson Oh, am I, now maybe I'm messing that up. I don't know. Yes. But there's a couple of JMU guys. It, it could be thinking. both. Could be both. Yes. Um, but there's like a draft pool. So you had to sort of like, you know, essentially, I'm sure have your agent sign you up or something. Um, you know, I just, Todd, I just you looked, know. you were correct. It's, it's Richard Davis. Davis. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, who has played both he and Vad have played in some of these other, you know, secondary leagues. I think they were XFL together. XFL, AAF. I think, yeah, they've been like all over the place at various times. So um, good luck to them. would love to see a couple JMU names um, in that league. We did lax um, tennis and, oh, uh, baseball home opener. I mean, look, they didn't, you know, I don't know. They got swept by Florida State, top 10th ranked team in the country on the road. I don't have any real complaints. Their home opener is Wednesday against George Mason, though. Uh, no. So, yeah. and I think most fans are probably going to be on the Chase Slaughter watch, and not if the record the doesn't team. start turning up. Yeah, don't sweat this stuff. Pitchers are going to have a big advantage in the opening first couple of weeks, if not first month. It's just easier. Pitchers tend to overpower hitters um, mm-hmm. when he goes in. I know he had kind of a rough start, but sample size, people. He, mm-hmm. He's a he's the top college pick for a reason. Yeah, don't pull. Don't pull the eject button on the team or especially on him. On the player, yeah. And then lastly, we've got to talk about softball, who had a, I think, on the whole, successful opening weekend. They went 3-1. and one. Um, I think they had a very dis- – I don't know that they played, you know, they did not play mistake-free throughout the mm-hmm. weekend. 
and you know, the surprising thing, well, it's like the blessing and the curse is that Alyssa Humphrey took the first loss. Um, also got a win this weekend, but you know, the game that she started was the one they, they lost to Charlotte. They beat UConn twice and Campbell over the weekend. And I was kind of ex- encouraged, Rob. We talked to, when we talked to Coach Laporte, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, this team has put in work in the weight room. Um, and the, the top six players in the lineup all homered this weekend. So six players, including Emily Phillips, who homered, homered twice. Um, but Hannah Hennessy, Kayla Bozeman, Lauren Burnett, Emily Phillips twice, uh, Shiflet and Maceros all homered over the weekend. So the power, like that's what I was really curious about with this team was like where are the runs going to come from. They had no trouble scoring runs this weekend. Yeah, uh, Reed Butler leading off was on base a bunch. She's scored, I don't know she scored a bunch of runs. You know, with she got on base through walks and stuff. So I, I mean, I was very impressed with how they looked offensively, and they got two really strong performances from Alexis Bermudez in the circle. Clearly, like, she started game one. You know, I mean, I, I, it, it felt to me like this was a, you know, Coach Laporte was playing a lot of players, playing both of her pitchers equal time. Like, this was not like, I'm trying to win every game. This was, I'm building towards the rest building of the Building for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And like this coming weekend is one of their bigger weekends of the year. They go to Orlando um, to play a tournament hosted by UCF where they're going to play. They're going to play Ole Miss Friday, UCF Saturday and Florida Gators Sunday. So this is a real opportunity. And obviously, you know, you want Alyssa fire, you know, fully ready to go uh, for these big games. You know, um, and, and I, also, I was like, really, I was pretty encouraged by the way they bounced back on Sunday. Played, very yeah, I well, think that, I think that's important for any a bunch team. of runs. And I was just glad to see like the entire lineup. Almost, I mean, Josie Polk off the bench had a couple stolen bases. Like they were using sort of the full cast of characters. And I just for a team that's replacing so much, it was nice to see there appears to be depth again. <laughs> well, that's the part that that really struck home to me is everybody's talked about how much they've got to replace and like, oh, they're a young team. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really examined the roster mm-hmm. until like last, maybe Saturday during the game. Yeah. They're really young. Yes. Like fresh, like to the point where you can either view the season as, oh man, like they lost already, or you can go, oh wow, they went three and one with like, you know, a ridiculous number of freshmen and sophomores um, and people that Laporte is willing to play. Yes. So I, I'm actually more excited about this kind of for the reasons you stated. Like, yeah, three and one is great. They're, they're not going to be the team of last year. I think realistically, we're looking at a team that's goals. Goals are probably obviously, oh, we're going to get back to, college world series but from an outside observer somebody who's not part of the program mm-hmm. i would think top 25 is probably the realistic look given mm-hmm. all that they're replacing mm-hmm. and they seem well on track for that um yeah and then you throw in the fact that the big recruiting boost is going to be next, next year's class coming off yeah. the women's college world series and then you just build on that um mm-hmm. i i'm excited about this program i think the future is bright and I really love having a young program in a situation like this where it's not a complete rebuild, but like even Alyssa is only what a sophomore when you factor yep. in COVID yep. and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is good. I, I think it's cool. I think it's going to be a, a, there's a chance for Jamie to really solidify itself in the Sun Belt as not just a fringe top 25 team. And then a team that 
gets into the, you know, maybe host regional and everybody goes, oh, wow, they were better than we thought all year. But to be one of those legitimate, like you enter the preseason rankings top 15, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. one of the real well-respected, not just good. They've yeah. always been good and a little bit respected, but it's more like respected after the fact. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we respect you, but prove it first. Mm-hmm. I think they've got the opportunity to turn the page and not need to constantly be proving it. Um, but hopefully yeah. proving it anyway. If that yeah, makes yeah. Any no, sense. I, yeah, no, completely. And I think it's great. And I, I hope I, I'm guessing Alyssa is going to, you know, Florida kid is going to have a big fan base uh, yeah. this, this coming weekend. It's good these point. games. Uh, really important to keep our, you know, expectations in check here too. Like three and one was a good start. Two and two, three and one would be incredible this coming weekend. Yeah. Right. But two and two means you, they, they play Oakland in the first game Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of important to get that win because the others are all toss ups. Um, but if you could beat them, then that means, I mean, all three of the other teams were tournament teams last year, UCF, Ole Miss and Florida. So that, you know, you get a chance to have a real resume building win um, multiple times this weekend, you know, and, and this is a good, really this is an important weekend for them and uh, hopefully they just they got the jitters out this week a little bit and everybody's comfortable it certainly seems like a lot of kids are going to get to play and so everyone should be paying attention right now and and the biggest i just you know the people we needed to we were talking about emily phillips right we were talking about lauren burnett reed butler like the the players that that we knew needed to be there offensively are there so Mm -hmm. Go Dukes. I just, you know, I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. I don't think we're going to see any more coverage. Uh, I, I don't know that it didn't, I couldn't find anything showing that it's going to be streamed anywhere. Um, but we'll retweet it if we hear anything else, you know? Yep. So that's all I got, Rob. Um, anything else from you? No, that's all I got no. too. Big thanks to our friends at Mossy Creek. Go by the uh, shop anytime, mention the podcast and get a free sticker. Uh, spent some time with Brian this weekend. He's getting really excited for the spring season, getting ready to have to get back to work for the, all the guys in the shop. Really yeah, he's about to, go to be busy. Yeah, this is a busy time of year. So uh, really, really big thanks to them and, and just go visit them anytime. And, and with that, we're going to send it over to Dusty Thibodeau and our uh, – Talk, talk some future belt here, Rob. So I, th- I think we had a good time talking to him. I think you guys are going to have a good time t- um, hearing about this, you know, j- just kind of the development of the Sun Belt. I mean, it's really fun for him having that like fun belt pod, like larger view. And he started covering ULM sports for largely the same reasons we started covering JMU sports, right? Because he loved it and he felt like there was an opening. And, yeah, I enjoyed our talk with him. And I hope yeah. people enjoy listening to it. Yeah, it was fun for us to get to know a future conference rival. (laughs) Rob, I will talk to you next week. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes. Welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Todd and Rob, we're really thrilled to be joined. Um, We did not think we would start here, but... uh, we, we planned out our, we wanted to have somebody from each Sunbelt school on uh, in the spring sometime. We did not know we would be starting this far south uh, in the Sunbelt, um, but we're, we're, we're actually starting part of a broad picture. We're really, really thrilled to be joined by Dusty Thibodeau from the Funbelt podcast. Um, if you guys haven't listened, you got to check this one out. These guys are doing a great job. 
three of the Sunbelt schools, I think, are represented. Am I right there, Dusty? Yeah, it's yeah. all three of us. Yeah. And I uh and Dusty is our U- University of Louisiana Monroe consultant, apparently. So um that is not where we thought we'd start here, but uh we are thrilled to be joined. Welcome, Dusty. Thanks, Thanks guys. Time. Good to be in. You know, yeah. it's uh exciting to see where the Sunbelt is 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 going these days, especially adding James Madison, a school that I think all of us down in the South, the deep, dirty South there, don't know much <laughs> about the Dukes. Um, you know, I at least recently learned about the old mascot that they had, and that thing scares the hell out of me. You'll see it on our Twitter of uh, Funbelt PC. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that y'all have updated that mascot. Yeah, Rob, we you want to tell them the mascot story now? Yeah. Oh, there, there have been a couple different ones. Like that one, the one you posted last week, the picture is, is horrifying. No argument. But um, it is a... It is a very beloved mascot, and it is, it's weird how much JMU people are, are passionate about it to the point where, like, they changed it slightly five or six years ago, and people flipped out. And it was like, you know, they tweaked it, and people were like, did they change something? People couldn't put their, their like, really finger on it, but they're like, something looks different. And this blip was one of the few times JMU actually got coverage in the Washington Post because of the overreaction from our fan base. <laughs> going crazy where it ended up being like i think we got more publicity for that and our overreaction to it than we had maybe even for like the fcs national championships <laughs> and then there was the fight with coastal carolina new the yeah. mascot fight with their See? chanticleer um like that's the, i don't know if you know on the sidelines the, uh, the clear and the duke dog were both arrested and taken out of the stadium by the virginia state police um at a game about 15 years ago, 15 years yeah, ago, they maybe? got in, yeah. they got in an actual fight on the sideline. <laughs> like not <laughs> a mascot fight, like, not a mascot fight. fight. Like the mascot fight devolved into an actual like beat down. <laughs> See, that's, all, that's all news for us. Cause we actually had old chief brave spirit there for ULM getting a literal <laughs> fist fight with Vic, the demon of Northwestern state back in the old uh, okay. Southland conference days. So, I mean, we're, we're used to seeing the all-out brawls of mascots, okay. players, and everyone else in between. This right, is exactly good, good. what we so wanted to right in. We'll so, right for, in. for our fans that don't know, Dusty and his um, friends at the Funbell Pod represent – now, look, you guys cover the whole league, and we're really excited about that. But they are, if I have it right, ULM, Arkansas State, and Texas State, correct? Georgia State. Georgia, Georgia State. State. Okay, good. So, actually, we've shared a conference with Georgia State once before. So, we'll, we'll time to go again. Uh, Dusty, tell us that first. Like, how did you get started in this? How did you start, like, you know, on the Warhawk side? And then how did you move into the Fun Belt side? Yeah, so I was a student at good old Northeast Louisiana University, the original name of ULM, uh, late 90s saw that the internet was actually going to kind of stick around for a while and that uh, ULM at the time did not have a very good web presence. And I was like, I can do that. So started up a web page, kind of keeping it up to date with a little bit of news and clippings, uh, you know, game observations. I wouldn't even call it uh, stories or anything like that. And it just kind of evolved from there, growing into kind of covering, at the time, the big three of, men's basketball, football, and baseball, kind of the big sports there at ULM. And and from there, it just kind of started growing and growing and growing, becoming more of a message board, uh, getting into the recruiting side a little bit, but not really too much. Then around 2004, 2005, got approached because Rivals.com was making a big push into the mid-major market and really liked my site and how uh, 
you know, professionally ran it was, I was like, well, I don't know who's doing that because it's just me. But, uh, you know, we uh, jumped on board there with Rivals. Uh, like I said, it was around 2004, 2005, and just been doing it ever since. Saw really a big need this past year where uh, there's not a lot of coverage for the Sun Belt as a whole. Even when we do things that are big, yeah, they, they really go under the radar. And so wanted to bring exposure to the league because I really feel that this is the premier G5 league, especially when it comes to football, when it comes to baseball, when it comes to softball. And there's a lot of stories out there that just need to be told. And my voice, for whatever reason, I feel is the one that can do it. Yeah, no, we love it. And we, we got a chance to listen to you all. Obviously, when the expansion news came for JMU, we tuned in a little bit. And then we've had a ton of fun. I'm glad you mentioned softball because that's going to be a, um, needless to say, JMU softball people are extremely excited. Oh, are, are, are they really that good? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, well, they're excited to go find out um, on a sort of week in, week out basis, you know, because um, it's that sport probably more than any other has been hampered by our past situation. Um, so th- this is really exciting to may- maybe lose a few games here and there. <laughs> you know yeah uh so we talked to our softball coach this week and that was it was fun for us so she's great and exciting no, it's, great. it's great and you know that that one trip that y'all had last year to the college world series you know that definitely made a name for james madison and and really got the the juices flowing there to give south alabama and louisiana lafayette some some competition because quite honestly that's that's your two top teams yeah well, we're scared to death of baseball, but um, it's exciting. Uh, just, you know, Shenandoah Valley, where JMU is located, big baseball, like they have a summer wooden bat league there in the Valley. A lot of players play there. Um, you know, people love the sport, baseball and softball, but JMU's just been through a down period the last 10 years or so. How can you and say you're down? You have the number one prospect overall. I know. That's the, <laughs> we're, we're as confused as anyone else. We have the number one yeah. prospect in the country. And have a, you know, <laughs> and, and, yeah. but have yet to make the conference postseason tournament in yeah, what, the last four CAA, years, five years. So. Yeah, what do we have, like four or six teams? It's like a limited tournament. And JMU yeah. hasn't even made the conference tournament in a few years. So And yeah. then Chase Slaughter just blew up in the Cape Cod League, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's top collegiate prospect. So. But it, it, there's a lot of enthusiasm for that prep for that program in particular. Now, can you say like, obviously you said something that Todd and I agree with, but the Sun Belt really appears to have come out of this round of expansion, um, solidifying itself as that, you know, premier G5 league. What are, what are you and the other fans of the existing programs think about these additions and the programs that are, that are joining the league? I think everybody's excited about them. I, I, I don't think many people know much about James Madison or old dominion, but obviously mm-hmm. Southern Miss being pr- pretty proximate, pretty close to everybody already in the league. Everyone was super excited about the Eagles coming in. And then of course, Marshall being a storied program, you know, that's, that was kind of one of the major, the first major mid major. That's a tongue tie programs that everyone to be like, to me, Marshall was kind of that Boise state before it was Boise state. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think the fact that you're getting a good historic program like Marshall in, it's just going to add even more exposure to the league and they're good. Yeah. 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 Good fan base too. Good, passionate fan base that that's been there for years. So that was a big deal to JMU. Like JMU fans were kind of 
I, I don't want to speak for the entire fan base, but for people we talked to, they weren't as concerned about the particular league as much as they just wanted to go with like-minded teams. And Marshall and ODU, you know, similar fan bases. Obviously, Jamie has a bit of a history of that state, but I, I know from our perspective, I think from most Jamie fans feel like this was just serendipitous and, and the, the best break of all breaks to go into a league that just appears to be thriving. And it's all similar schools and big state schools with passionate fan bases. Uh, we're super excited. So I, I can't wait to join the league and really start playing real games next year. And, and I was glad that it finally worked out. And, and truthfully, kudos to, to JMU for the last time the expansion carousel was really spinning, that they, they really made that tough decision and say, that's uh, not the right time. And, and, and so I don't think it would have been the right time if they would have made that jump then. So, you know, kudos to them for, for being patient, holding out, and, and knowing their market to know yeah. when that they do need to make that jump. Yeah, it's yeah funny. the program was really not positioned. It, it didn't have the infrastructure. It didn't have facilities. didn't really have the, the, the long history of, you know, um, significant season ticket holders and things like that. It really – a lot of people look back like, oh, you know, it's been nine years and we could have just made this move then. It, I don't think it would have been successful. And I think right now – they're going to a much stronger league. It's going to be much harder to break into. Um, I think a lot of JMU fans are going to have a little bit of a rude awakening. Um, with, but I think it's a much better fit for everybody. So we, we couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, that, that – uh, yeah, just, just – I, yeah. I mean, ODU, we wouldn't tr- – I mean, they were our longtime rival prior to them leaving and going to Conference USA. For basketball, yeah. But we wouldn't trade our last 10 years for theirs um, at all. So, it, you know, we all ended up in the same place and everybody's really thrilled with that. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. And then the, the Marshall thing, I think, is going to be a shot. Uh, I think both fan bases are realizing I, both of them have traveled a long way to conference schools for a long time, both JMU yeah. and Marshall. And um, people are waking up to the realization that there's actually a drivable opponent right over the mountain. Um, yeah. that, that, wasn't, that didn't exist before. And I think that's really exciting. And then the whole... Yeah, Rob mentioned our, uh, you know, pretty extensive history with App State um, and to a lesser extent, Coastal and Georgia State. So pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty fun. I was thinking the Georgia Southern, Marshall, JMU, and App State have 13 of the last 39 FCS titles. Um, I think we saw that. So like a third of yeah. the last of the titles in the last 40 years will be in the Sunbelt East. And <laughs> we're just we're just glad to play in the conference where you know, if we're five and five, I still want to go to the game. If it's yeah. if we're playing App State this week, like I I want to go watch this. You know, and we haven't yeah. had that in a long time. <laughs> like, and, and and that's a big thing with the league. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we've come a long way from back in two thousand and one when we formed the league. You know, we kind of refer to those days as kind of the band of misfits because it was literally just going around the room. Are you good? You want in? You want in? You want in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we span from Idaho, New Mexico State to probably I think Middle Tennessee was as far east as we were. Yeah, and, and and so we've come a long way to where you actually care about the teams that you're playing now, and not the Idaho. I don't want to go to that. Yeah, so that's that's what we want to ask about caring about teams. So from a Monroe standpoint, you know, we want to start here, right? We'll do the positive. Uh, you know, what are the biggest things our fans should know about Warhawk history? You told us about Northeast Louisiana, um, you know, but what, like, what are the games that matter in this athletic program, you know, and the rivals that, 
bring people to the stadium, you know? So without a doubt, definitely ULM's biggest rival is Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. yeah. Um, for many, many, many reasons. <laughs> for the so, longest time, we were both truthfully probably the worst teams ever. And so that was the one game you had circled of, hey, we could actually win that game. And I think both sides yeah. had it circled. So it wasn't like one side or the other. But then you have the whole name game that, that's gone on where they want to be Louisiana and <laughs> and and project that they're the flagship school of the of the state. Um <laughs> ULM had a bad president that kind of gave up that name fight and it's just downhill from there. Not to mention, I mean, Louisiana Lafayette, they, they're pretty good across the board. So, you know, maybe some of it's a little bit of jealousy as well that uh, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to compete and be on that national stage. Like they have been, I mean, this year, 13 straight wins, a Sunbelt conference championship, a bowl win. I mean, Mm -hmm. wow. Who who doesn't want that? Yeah. Yep. I think the other big rival that's that's there and it's it's just not really a spoken rival is uh with Arkansas State. Oh I I don't think ULM has beaten Arkansas State in over a decade. Well, Arkansas State's had a good run. I mean, uh, not last year notwithstanding, they've been good yeah. for quite a while. Well, e- either way, yeah. their, their their one conference win was in Monroe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I it's good to learn these things. And then the other thing I want to ask you is um, the Lafayette people have just been all over Twitter since the realignment news towards your neighbors, not too far down the road in Ruston. Um, do you share their, anim- the, the raging, is that the one thing you all share is animosity towards Louisiana tech or. I'm, or I'm, I'm a- glad you have a dump function and you can dump what, <laughs> what, what I'm about to say. Yes. Yes. Um, I think if you ask anybody in the Sun Belt, mm-hmm. and especially anybody in Louisiana, yeah. they will all have the exact same thing to say about Louisiana Tech. I think Louisiana Lafayette people are more vocal and <laughs> louder and have maybe a bigger platform, bigger stage, <laughs> but everybody feels the same way. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's good to hear these. Uh, we're not the only ones with some anti-Conference USA biases here, Rob. Yeah, no, we're getting the inside baseball, the inside scoop. Yeah. So what could Duke's fans like, assuming we, we, we draw you guys in kind of the interconference play, you know, the East-West thing, what could Duke's fans expect from a trip to Monroe? Um, what's it like the game day there, uh, the atmosphere, things to do? Yeah, it, it's really evolved the past few years. Uh, ULM partnered up with uh, VCOM to open up a med school on campus Part of doing that from the previous administration sacrificed the Grove, which was a big tailgating area that we had with some old pecan trees and things like that. So the tailgating really has gone downhill since then, that there's just not much room and not many people that that are really out there pregame. And then truthfully, with with the team not being very competitive over the past few years, no one's really going to the games. You know, you look at last season in 2020, 0-12, 0-12, oh, no, 0-10, excuse me, yeah. because they had some uh, COVID cancellations, and then 4-8 uh, and eight this past year. You're going to look at me crazy when I say 4-8 and eight was probably a pretty good year because yep. we were only expected to have two wins. Mm-hmm. So great, fantastic year, and most of those wins were at home. Actually, all of them were at home. Oh, you're not in home, I think. Yeah, yeah. and and so, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's so hard to, to draw there. 
literally you have things where you'll see an attendance dip around uh, October, November, because hunting season starts. Mm -hmm. And people would much rather be out in a deer stand or in a duck blind than in Malone Stadium. Mm. Yeah. Um, So the four and eight, it wasn't, it seemed like there were some, you know, some sprouts there to a better future this year. Was that just, uh, did you think that as well? Or, you know. Yes. Yes. I I, I think it was, I think it was kind of a fluke that they got the four wins. (laughs) I I, I think two wins was, was definitely easily doable. But it's also frustrating, even though you weren't supposed to be at the four wins that you had three games that were decided by a touchdown or less. It's like, we were so close, you know, and, and, and that's truthfully always been, the way at ULM, they're so close, but they can't quite get that next step or that next play or whatever it takes to get over the hump. Okay. Yeah. And then now, what's it like? I mean, you mentioned you touched, you used to do a, little, do a little bit of recruiting, didn't get serious enough, but that's Louisiana's got to be a tough state to recruit in because obviously you got LSU, you got, you know, the other, the other Sunbelt schools, you got everybody dipping into that. So it's such a talent rich area. Is that is that a focus for Monroe? Is, do they really try to win the state, or are they branching out? Are there other pockets? What's the strategy there? So I don't I don't remember the breakdown of the roster now, but a couple of years ago there was a stat at the Texas Bowl over in uh, Houston, or maybe it was even at the Cotton Bowl in in Dallas, that the team outside of Texas and A and M that had the most Texas players was ULM. Oh wow. They dip heavily into Texas and Mississippi around more so because there were some APR sanctions that came out several years ago and kind of the knee jerk reaction was that they went way overboard on the academic restrictions for student athletes to come into ULM. And so truthfully, a lot of Louisiana kids based on these tightened restrictions don't qualify to be student athletes. So you have to go out of state to get those guys. Which isn't always popular because you know everyone wants the homegrown, t- homegrown talent, and and local talent to stay and, and and play at Malone Stadium, but it's not always an option. Yeah. Oh, the, well, and then the other big question we had was just from a Sun Belt standpoint, and you guys have been following this with the your podcast. Is it seems to us, but maybe we're just naive and we're so happy to be here. <laughs> but it seems like the conference, you know, there are rivalries. You, you obviously, you all in Lafayette and, uh, you know, App State, Georgia Southern go back a long way and something that, you know, we understand. Um, but it also seems like the conference is pretty supportive of, I, I, you know, I don't mean to overdo this, but is that accurate at all? Like people are kind of rooting for the conference? Or is that, you know, are we just kind of seeing that as the newcomers that we don't understand yet? No, I, I think it's pretty true. Um, I was good friends with an with a old Kansas guy, and he talked about, yeah, my chair in order is, you know, God, country, school, division, conference. And, and, <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of true in, in the Sunbelt as well. We want each other to really succeed, uh-huh. but there's no doubt that if we need App State to lose so that we can, you know, bump ourselves up in the standings, oh, I hate and, and wish them nothing but death, you know. Um, but yeah, for the most part, everyone's real supportive and, and you know, trying to uh, make sure it's good for the conference. Yeah, I mean, we noticed it last year in that uh, the coastal BYU matchup in the COVID season. 
like it, it just seemed like well everybody's gonna pull you know whatever we feel about Myrtle Beach and Coastal we're, we're all gonna pull for them in this game you know yeah I mean that's yeah, kind of exciting yeah yeah I I I might not be the biggest Louisiana Lafayette fan but this past year especially being in Texas and they were playing the horns I was yeah. was horns yeah. down all week long and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, hoping for the miracle uh, Cajuns uh, to pull that game uh, up. Man, if they had won that, they might have been right there with Cincinnati at the end of the year. Oh, oh that, it, it, <laughs> it definitely would have been interesting. But, you know, it, it's always that that classic, okay, you win Texas, but maybe you, you get the big head and you lose to, uh, I think they had Nichols, you know, the next week mm-hmm. or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be thankful of how it played out. It was yeah. a great season. Yeah, yeah, we're we're very familiar. Uh, the year that JMU beat Virginia Tech was a uh, turn into a six and six season. Um, yeah, yeah, I was like, worst. that's our worst season in the last twenty years. Was that that season when we started with a win over Tech? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that point. Yeah, Thanks. yeah, it doesn't always translate. It doesn't no. always translate to success. No. Oh, Rob, you now, got happier it. times. Like, what, what, what is the high water mark or? The, the memories or the big games that you that JMU fans should know about Monroe to have proper respect. Let's say we're going to go down there. We do, we meeting some some fans. You guys start talking about good games. How can we be in the know? What are the big things we should we should know? The high water marks. I think a lot of people are going to focus back in 1987. I know that mm-hmm. feels like forever ago. National title, man, with mm-hmm. with Stan Humphreys as the quarterback. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah, nice. and, and so. You know, to me, if you win a national title, that's the huge watermark. That's mm-hmm. that's the game. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 next big win that that really comes to mind is two thousand and seven. Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. The Warhawks mm-hmm. go in, yep. pull off the twenty one fourteen win there. What was even better was that was the year that Alabama played at the Independence Bowl, just down the road in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. So there was a local car dealership that bought some uh, tide rolled billboards all along I-20 so that as they mm-hmm. drove their bus to Shreveport, they got to yeah. see the signs all the way through the whole uh, Monroe area. Uh, and then, of course, 2012 was was definitely the banner year for football, kicking off the year with the, the shock in Little Rock over number six, Arkansas. Oh, and wow. that was the year that ULM went eight and five, able to go to their first ever ball game, the Independence Bowl again there in Shreveport, where – they just shit the bed for lack of a better term there <laughs> against, against Ohio. Uh, I think the whole team was sick. It was cold. It was raining. No one really wanted to be there. And it showed. Yeah. Rob, I got to say, I did not know about this 2007 win at Alabama. I did not. That um, is excellent. So, Dusty, so that you know, JMU's current head coach, Kurt Signetti, was on that Alabama staff. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so there, there uh, a little something for the Warhawk fans there. <laughs> yes. So I was like, uh, he suffered through that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It might not be as fond a memory for him. Yeah. And I guess we should bring that up. I mean, you know, we, we don't, we don't know. Nobody's going to confirm anything to any of us about what the schedule looks like. Maybe by the time um, we put this show out, we will have something more. Um. But what does anybody have any thought? Like, do you, have you guys thought about like, what do you expect from say a JMU next year? Like, do people think they're going to be competitive? Are they? Everyone think they're just a homecoming game that is going to win by a million? Like, what's the general? You know, not that we're 
I mean, we don't, we don't, we're not under any misconception that we're going to do really well or something. Um, but it's kind of an odd situation for an FCS team moving up in that because of the COVID flexibility, JMU was already at like 70 plus, I think 73 or 74 yeah. scholarships this year. So it's not really like a sort of this drastic jump that I think some other programs have had to go through. So, you know. It'll be interesting to see because the last team that really made that jump into the Sun Belt was Georgia Southern. The year that they were kind of in that transition year is when they beat Florida. And then they yeah. came into the Sun Belt and ran the tables like yeah. hands down, just beat everybody to win a Sun Belt Conference Championship. So mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of the expectation for JMU is that, hey, this is your one year that you get to win a championship. No, yeah. We don't run the triple. <laughs> yeah, right. so, yeah. And our, our, I don't, I mean, you may have our, our best player transferred to South Carolina. Um, I, we don't begrudge that in, in any way. Um, he's I can going, tell. He's going to play <laughs> wide receiver for Spencer Rattler. So I, I, I guess that's a good move. <laughs> we have yeah. no no complaints. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting. Um, I mean, we're just thrilled to have games we care about. I can't tell you, like, if I never have to watch JMU play another game at New Hampshire. New Hampshire. The CAA, our stupid conference. I can't even. They just they have all these schools that don't play any sports except football. They have all these associate members. So we play it's, like, yeah, it's just the dumbest thing in the world. Like Villanova, yeah. who's making like, you know, just all the money they can ever make in basketball, just stashes their football team in the CAA, like in one double A. Like, it's just weird. And we have to play it's like, just, it's, it's just, just a weird setup. the dumbest conference ever. Yeah. So this is like so exciting to be going to play whoever we play. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dusty, have you gotten the chance to go see Monroe on the road? Yeah. We, uh, in uh, some uh, games? I went this past year to Texas State just because where I'm at in Texas, that is more of a home game for me than it is uh, going back to Monroe. Yeah. Love some San Marcos, man. That, that is yeah. that is the hidden gem of <laughs> the Sunbelt Conference. Mm-hmm. Any uh, other good spots that, that you've been able to take in on the road? Yeah, Louisiana Lafayette's definitely a interesting experience going down there. <laughs> um, it, it's – it's good. It's friendly. It's great food, great beers. Um, and then maybe an hour before the game, I feel like the switch just kind of flips and, and you don't know if you're going to have to fight your way out or not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good. I, I have not been to the new Georgia state stadium, um, Mm. since they moved over to the The old old brave Brave stadium. Georgia Southern was definitely one of my favorites. Also, very tradition rich, very just over the top for a small school. And, and I always say to me, it's on par with like a Texas A&M where it has the tradition rich uh, mm-hmm. history. Everything has a meaning. And the first thing people say is, well, Georgia Southern is not the same as, as Texas A&M. I didn't say that. I said tradition wise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Boone, North Carolina, beautiful. Yeah, you can yeah. never get there though. Uh, yeah. I, I I think they pushed us out of the plane and we had to parachute in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, once you get there, it is well worth the view. Well worth seeing the campus. Uh, amazing. Yeah, I think that's probably the closest comp for JMU. Um, certainly hope people can get up there. But yeah, the App State JMU. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about this in reverse someday. But uh. Yeah, I mean, two or th- 
I, I don't know, Rob, what two of our hardest losses are App State losses and our Rob and I's favorite ever game at JMU is a win over App State in 2008. So yeah, and most yeah, JMU will tell you that's yeah, that's the, the real the best like non-championship game JMU's ever been involved in. I, th- I think for a lot of us that was bigger than Virginia Tech game. Um, oh yeah, it was number one versus number two. App State had beaten JMU in the playoffs the year before down in Boone on a brutal ending. You know, JMU fumbled inside the ten like a minute. Came back, we're down twenty-one nothing halftime. Stormed all the way back to win. It was it was a great game. So people are really looking forward to that App State rivalry, or, or and they've also set the bar really high with how they've come in and competed yeah. for championships. You know, yeah. winning the division, making the championship game. So that's one we're looking forward to. Um, ODU, you mentioned you didn't know a lot about ODU. That's that's an interesting one. I'm, I think I think their fan base will rise up to the challenge that is the Sun Belt. Um, they had a really good thing going when they started that program and they jumped to CUSA seemed like the right move, but then East Carolina got out there kind of were stranded and it took a little wind out of their sails, but they've got a lot of fans who've been, who've been eager for them to get back to it. Um, that's a fun road trip, you know, cause you, yeah, you go down to Norfolk fun. and people kind of, you know, Norfolk, Virginia beach, Hampton roads area is pretty cool. Tons mm-hmm. of talented football players down there. So I think it's good for the entire league to have a presence there. You know, that, that area code is really, really hot for recruiting. Um, Marshall, obviously, we talked about tradition rich program, awesome fan base, great history. So we're excited, you know, kind of being in the northern reaches of it. We, we feel like JMU is well situated with some some good kind of travel partners and within that easy driving distance. What's Boone, Todd? Maybe four and a half, five hours? Four and a half, yeah, from, from JMU. And I think yeah. ODU is probably the same from Harrisonburg and Marshall's maybe maybe five. So. Might be less, yeah. Actually, but, less, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's cool. And coastal. I mean, all of our fans, everybody's going to love the Myrtle trip for us too. So, yeah. even if they don't have the, we don't have the long history. <laughs> but yeah. And see, I was definitely the minority. The you know, I talked earlier about Idaho being one of the founding. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I finally made the pilgrimage out to the Kibbe Dome in yes! in Moscow. <laughs> I loved the Kibbe Dome. I loved Moscow. Yes. And <laughs> everyone looks at me like, "How dumb are you?" Absolutely loved it though. Yeah, a 12,000 seat airplane hangar that is everything to them. It is football, it is soccer, it is track. I was surprised there wasn't a swimming pool in there. That's awesome. My former boss was the general counsel at Idaho for like 20 years when they made the move up. And uh, yeah, it's really funny that her stories are pretty, pretty funny <laughs> about the Kimmy Dome. Um, but and, and then also, you mentioned San Marcos and you're in Houston. Uh, I can tell you, JMU has, you know, Texas, the Texas Dukes, our little JMU Texas presence has become a little bit of a thing. And um, I think that's going to be a fun trip, too, for us. Uh, you know, the yeah. 1AA championship has been in Frisco the last 10 or 12 years. And JMU has now been there three or four, to- four three, times, three times, three four times, times three yeah. times. Yeah. Um, and it's really become like kind of a fun trip. And JMU won at SMU a couple years ago in a game that was really fun. Actually, that that was probably the game that ruined Texas State football because that was the game that got Ever Withers the Texas State job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. So there, there's some connections down there. And I, just, a, you know, just like every other, like every other school in the country, growing alumni population in that area of the country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our Dallas-Fort Worth-Dukes chapter has turned into a pretty active little group down there. And uh mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to that trip when we can make it. Always. Yeah. Not, yeah. 
So all the all the talk about football, though, what can we expect from James Madison and the other sports in in baseball, softball, basketball, and in everything yeah. else? Rob, where do you want to start? You start. You start. You do basketball, Rob. Yeah. Basketball appears to be they've, they've hit a rough patch. You know, had some injuries. Um, you got a graduate transfer who's been terrific, who just went down for the season. Terrell Strickland, a sophomore point guard, lockdown defender's father, Rod Strickland, played for years in the NBA. He's hurt as well. So they're kind of battling some injuries. But with Mark Byington, who came from Georgia, Georgia Southern, Southern. Um, they appear to be on the right track for the first time in about a decade. It, it was a pretty proud program through the 80s. You know, they were very successful. 90s, Lefty Drizel was the coach before he went to Georgia State. Um, you know, a lot of success. And then things just fell off the rails. And it was like, lost two decades, you know, and kind of got lucky, went to the tournament 2013. Um, but it's just, it's a couple of bad coaching hires, finally on the right track, competitive program. The school is investing very heavily in both men's and women's basketball. We've got an outstanding new arena that really is, you know, one of the best college basketball arenas, um, you know, around in, in, in kind of the mid-Atlantic, I would say. Not just like a mid-major arena, it is a premier thing. So that's looking good. Women's basketball, again, a little bit of a down year this year, but very competitive, been to the tournament a number of times, made deep runs in the NIT. JMU really has the kind of approach of funding all of its programs to the max and doing it equally. And they've had a lot of success across the board, very successful in soccer, won a national championship in lacrosse, national championship in field hockey, some, some sports we need to find homes for outside, you know, not in Sun Belt. Um, but very competitive across the board. Obviously, softball is kind of – you know, right up there, football's kind of the crown jewel at JMU in most fans' eyes. Mm-hmm. And then you've got basketball, both basketball programs, and I'd say softball's kind of on that level. Um, yeah. Baseball, we mentioned Chase DeLauder, very exciting time, but the team has not had a lot of success. To be perfectly frank, I think we're not telling any secrets when we say the coach is on the hot seat in a big way. And I, I think yeah. it will be interesting to see how the school approaches that program moving into a very tough baseball league, um, yeah. but a baseball league with a lot of upside. You know, it's it's different because around here on the East Coast, baseball is really big leagues. It's not really college, but the yeah. Sun Belt and the footprint that we're moving into, Todd and I are telling people, having both, you know, I lived in Atlanta for a while. He lived down in Carolina. We're like, college baseball is a, a much cooler sport than you realize. It just, it's, it's kind of not on the radar uh, in the Northeast. And a lot of JMU's student population and alumni population, you know, either come from or go back to the Northeast. So um, that will be interesting. I'm personally really excited about it, but we're not going to lie. Jamie's got a lot of work to do to get to the point where they can compete in Sunbelt baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Softball, I think they'll step in. I think they'll rise to the challenge. I think they're going to welcome that and enjoy having a more competitive conference play where it's not just about trying to go undefeated and, and earn the right to host. So um, Overall, though, we're really, what did we win, like six or seven conference championships last year, Todd? Yeah, they're they're competitive across the board. I mean, swimming, tennis, yeah. golf. There's a bunch of sports that, like they, they 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 do a good job. And uh, lacrosse and field hockey are the two for us women's lacrosse and field hockey that have been like historically great programs who obviously won't be playing in the Sun Belt. And yeah. so we're kind of waiting to hear where those programs are headed. Um, and I think oh, across the board, we talked with our softball coach this past week about this. I think one of the interesting things for JMU from a recruiting angle is in the past, they've always been, I don't know, a Southern school in a Northern league. And yeah. now they're going to be a Northern school yes. in a Southern league. 
And I think they're going to have to think about like how that works, you know, um, because they're obviously, you know, when they go south where they have gone in the past, um, you know, they're going to be competing with their conference mates now in a way they weren't before, I think. And there might be something for them to look north for kids who want to play big time Southern, whether it's football or baseball or softball. I, you know, I, I don't know. We, we haven't figured that out yet. But yeah. I think it's going to be an inter- that's going to be an interesting pivot for JMU athletics across the board uh, coming up. It's in, it's interesting you say that. Like, it makes yeah. me think of ULM volleyball, for instance. Uh, yeah. No school in North Louisiana has volleyball mm-hmm. for high school. So it, it it's hard to generate interest in the sport when all of your kids are California, Texas, Colorado, yeah. because there there there's no local option. Mm-hmm. Does you, oh I should say ULM? Do, you guys don't have men's soccer, right? That is correct. We have women's okay. soccer. That's going to be kind of. I think the soccer thing is kind of exciting for JMU. Um, it looks like the Sun Belt's going to be restarting soccer, potentially, right? With Marshall, ODU, and JMU all coming on board, along with I think if I'm saying it right, is it App, Georgia State, and Coastal all play? I, anyways, um, I think, but Marshall obviously is the defending national champion. that's why it started yeah. when the defending national champ says. We're not going unless you start soccer. I think Commissioner Keith Gill was going. <laughs> yep, we'll play uh, soccer. Yep. Y'all now have soccer. Well, and yep. JMU's got a long. I mean, we've got a long history. A couple of MLS players, one current, pretty strong. CJ Sapong, pretty strong MLS player, long time in the U.S. national team pool. Um, so I think they're looking forward, and that's been another thing. Just you know, traveling north to play Northeastern in Boston has just not made any sense for JMU for quite a long time and it's really exciting to just be playing i don't know relatively similar schools and yeah. and going to warmer climates for games i yeah i'm looking forward to my trip to monroe my trip to but i mean heck i'll go to mobile i, I you know like i'll go where i have to go here like I, you know do y'all have water skiing that's that's the key question we do not but i can tell you that our our bass fishing team is the next level so um our our, our <laughs> Our main podcast sponsor is Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think ULM has won twenty-five or twenty-seven national championships in water skiing. There, there you oh, go. Wow. I did not know that. See, we lo- that's what we were trying to get to. I love it. Yes. Yeah, that's like at one point, Jamie, you had a couple uh, archery national championships. I think. Oh yeah, we did. And an Olympian. We had a couple Olympians in archery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We lost archery now in the Title IX purge, but yes, here we are. Yeah, well, I Dustin, just want to see curling come to the Sun Belt. Yes, Ooh. you and me both. Well, one thing you but, can look forward to now, you know, App State has been the only snow school potential in the Sun Belt for a while, but with JMU and Marshall now, there, there's like multiple potential snow road games. Not appealing to me. Yeah. 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 Let's be honest. When was the last time we had snow at, at a football game? It's usually only, well, that's, I was realizing we've talked about this in my house this week because that's yeah. usually in the playoffs. And now yeah. we're not, we're not going to have December. Yeah, home yeah. Games in regular anymore. season. I don't yeah. know. That's, yeah. that, that'd be a bit early. Yeah. yeah it, it like the big freeze that hit Texas last year. Yeah. I looked at my wife going, we're moving south. You know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go to south, south Texas. And if it's still so cold there, we're going off. to Mexico and just keep right. going south. Right. Oh, that's awesome. 
Oh, well, Dusty, you got anything else for us? Because we, we really, really appreciate your time. And uh, it's fun for us to learn about Louisiana Monroe. We will, um, you know, we always have some fun with our website, you know, when we get to game previews and stuff. Um, but kind of looking forward to doing it without, I don't know, without an edge for at least until we lose a few games <laughs> for a while. Yeah. 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 No, it, 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 it's an exciting time in the Sun Belt. You know, I, I think the expansion, I think we all want everyone in as quick as possible so that we can go ahead and start beating our chest even more to yeah. say that we are the G5 team, our oh, yeah. G5 league. And, and just to to have more bodies in and, and more the merrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. And I, yeah, I mean, we're just a very enthusiastic, as you can tell, and happy to talk about JMU anytime and, and uh, really just looking forward to and, and really looking forward to these softball and baseball trips down there, too. That, that for us, Rob and I have always uh, after the winter season is over, there's nothing left to talk about. And now it's been starting with last year's, obviously the softball run last year was uh, pretty magical. So looking forward to having a lot more of that. And Dusty, before we get you out of here, can you tell people where to find you online? Oh, yeah. Podcast yeah. So the website is warhawkreport.com. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, it is warhawk underscore report. And then our Funbelt podcast is funbeltpc.com. And on Twitter at funbeltpc. Uh, funbeltpc. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, everybody go right. check, well, that check it out, out guys. That's good stuff. You know, that's, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a treat. We actually have real, you know, involved fan media, fan-based media uh, yeah. in ways that we did not have in the CIA. So everybody give that a listen and, and give it a follow. For sure. Thanks, y'all.